0: This parable is about a grandfather and his grandson who are sitting on a couch in front of the television watching a football game. And as they're watching this football game, the score is 14 to 16, and time is about to expire. And so the team that has 14 points Has the ball, and they are going to attempt a field goal. And it is a 66 yard field goal. If they make this field goal, it will be a new NFL record. And so the grandfather looks at the grandson and says, I have a really good feeling about this kicker. I think he's going to make this field goal. And so what we can do is, if he makes the field goal, then every evening after supper for the next week, you can load the dishwasher. And if he misses, then every evening after supper for a week, I'll load the dishwasher. And the grandson says, you're on. And so the ball is snapped and it's held in place and the kicker kicks and the ball goes up and it comes down, hits the crossbar, falls through the uprights. It is good. The grandfather looks over at the grandson and he says, grandson, I cannot take unfair advantage of you this game was played yesterday and it was rebroadcast today (laughs) i saw i saw what happened and so uh, that's how come i knew it was going to be good and uh, the grandson says that's okay grandpa i saw that game too i just didn't think he could do it twice So the passage of scripture, of course, the grandson didn't learn from experience. Passage of scripture we're looking at today is another passage, another story, where the grandson doesn't learn from experience, and it has tragic results for him. And so if you'd like to open in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 5... And since this passage is a little bit longish, I thought uh, rather than listening to me read it, it might be nice to hear a dramatized version of the passage. And so uh, we'll be playing an MP3 of the passage being read in a dramatized version, but you can follow along in your Bibles as the reading is played.
1: And the king said to him, Are you Daniel, one of the exiles my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you, and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. The wise men and enchanters were brought before me to read this writing and tell me what it means, but they could not explain it. Now I have heard that you are able to give interpretations and to solve difficult problems. If you can read this writing and tell me what it means, you will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around your neck, and you will be made the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Then Daniel answered the king, You may keep your gifts for yourself and give your rewards to someone else. Nevertheless, I will read the writing for the king and tell him what it means. O king, the most high God gave your father Nebuchadnezzar sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. Because of the high position he gave him, all the peoples and nations and men of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. And those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride, he was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like cattle. And his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and sets over them anyone he wishes. But you, his son, O Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives, and your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver and gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand, but you did not honor the god who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore he sent the hand that wrote the inscription. This is the inscription that was written, Mene, mini, mini, Tekel, Parson. This is what these words mean, Mene, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Tekel." You have been weighed on the scales and found wanting. Pires, your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was clothed in purple. A gold chain was placed around his neck, and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain, and Darius the Mede took over the kingdom at the age of 62. Chapter 5 King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for
0: a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. chapter 5, we got the second half of Daniel chapter 5. So I'm going to go ahead and read the first half and uh, trust that you can remember where we picked up in the second half and we will go from there. Daniel chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, it says, Belshazzar the king made a great feast for a thousand of his lords. And drank wine in the presence of the thousand. Well he tasted the wine. Balshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple which had been in Jerusalem, that the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem. And the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. In the same hour, the fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote, Then the king's countenance changed and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked against each other. The king cried aloud to bring in the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. The king spoke to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and he shall be the third ruler in the kingdom. Now all the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. Then King Belshazzar was greatly troubled. His countenance was changed and his lords were astonished. The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers. Inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles... And explaining enigmas were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation. And then I believe that's where we picked up with the dramatized version that we read. And so I'd like to take a closer look at this passage. And verse 1 in this passage introduces us to Belshazzar. The king of Babylon. Who is Belshazzar? I mean, in chapter four, he has not yet been introduced, and suddenly here in chapter five, we have Belshazzar. And verse two says Nebuchadnezzar is Belshazzar's father. But it's very common in the Bible that the term father can be used to refer to a grandfather or a great-grandfather or a great-great-grandfather or a great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. And uh, son can mean son or grandson or great 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 grandson And uh, for an example of that, we can keep our finger in Daniel chapter 5 and turn over to Matthew 1.1. And in Matthew 1.1, it says the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And, of course, Jesus Christ was not the son of David in the sense that we typically use son. David was his great 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 grandfather And in the same sense, Abraham was David's great, 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 and so forth, grandfather. And so, as we have this, where it says that Belshazzar, back in Daniel chapter 5 and verse 2, where it says that Belshazzar is Nebuchadnezzar's son, he's actually probably his uh or that Nebuchadnezzar was Belshazzar's father he's actually probably his grandfather and uh so we have uh, Belshazzar and he is Nebuchadnezzar's grandson and verses 2 and 3 then tell us that Belshazzar gave a big party it says I'll start back in one. Belshazzar the king made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in the presence of the thousand. Well, he tasted the wine. Belshazzar gave the command to bring the gold and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple, which had been in Jerusalem, that the king and his lords, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. Then they brought the gold vessels that had been taken from the temple. Of the house of God, which had been in Jerusalem, and the king and his lords, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. And so Belshazzar is giving a big party, and he starts drinking, and maybe after he's starting to become a little bit drunk, he commands that the holy vessels from the temple be brought, from the temple in Jerusalem be brought, so that they can drink from them. And so he and his um, prominent people and his wives and his concubines drank from the sacred vessels of the temple in Jerusalem. And this was a really, really bad idea. And then they went and made the bad idea even worse Because in verse 4, it says, They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and silver, bronze and iron, wood and stone. So they not only dishonored God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, by taking the sacred vessels that had been dedicated to his service and using them to drink from at a drunken party, but then they not only dishonored him But they honored the idols of Babylon, uh, figures that were made out of inanimate objects and could not see, could not hear, could not taste, and definitely could not do anything to help the Babylonians in their time of need. And so as they are doing this, the party is interrupted. Verse 5 says, In the same hour... The fingers of a man's hand appeared and wrote opposite the lampstand on the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. And so a supernatural hand suddenly appears and begins writing on the wall. And this is actually not the first time in history that a supernatural hand has written. If you once again uh, keep your finger in Daniel 5 and turn back to Exodus chapter 31, And in Exodus chapter 31, Moses is up on Mount Sinai, and God is giving him the law. And then in verse 18, it says, And when he, God, had made an end of speaking with him, Moses, on Mount Sinai, God gave Moses two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone written with the finger. Of God, And so, once before, God had written with his hand, he had written the Ten Commandments for the children of Israel on tablets of stone. And now God has a message for the kingdom of Babylon, and he has sent a messenger to write on the wall of the Babylonian palace. Daniel 6 tells us that Belshazzar... Was terrified by this event. It says, Then the king's countenance changed and his thoughts troubled him, so that the joints of his hips were loosened and his knees knocked against each other. And so Belshazzar is absolutely, totally, and completely terrified says his face changes he becomes pale the blood runs out of his face his hips loosen he can barely stand up his knees are knocking together he is so scared As I was preparing for this message, I listened to a number of audio dramatizations of this passage, and I viewed a number of video dramatizations of this passage, and the problem was that in all of the dramatizations, Belshazzar was not scared enough. So he's on the verge of fainting, he's so terrified. And, uh, you know, he needs to sit down quick so he doesn't fall down, the blood is draining out of his head. He's getting very, very faint. And so um, when we come to verse 7 in the dramatizations, they tend to read it something like this. The king cried aloud to bring the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. The king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck and shall be third ruler in the kingdom. The way this verse should really read is, the king cried aloud to bring the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. The king spoke, saying to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me its interpretation shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around his neck, and he'll be third ruler in the kingdom. That's how the passage should be read if it's dramatized. So the wise men came, but they couldn't help him. Verse 8, Now all the king's wise men came, but they could not read the writing or make known to the king its interpretation. This is a recurring theme in the book of Daniel. If you'll remember back in chapter 2 that uh, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and the wise men can't tell him the dream or the interpretation. And then in chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and the wise men can't tell him its interpretation. And here, Belshazzar has a hand writing on the wall, and the wise men can't tell him its interpretation. And so Belshazzar is thoroughly confused, but in verses 10 to 12 the queen comes to his help. It says, The queen, because of the words of the king and his lords, came to the banquet hall. The queen spoke, saying, O king, live forever. Do not let your thoughts trouble you, nor let your countenance change. There is a man in your kingdom in whom is the spirit of the holy God. And in the days of your father, light and understanding and wisdom, like the wisdom of the gods, were found in him. And King Nebuchadnezzar, your father, your father the king, made him chief of the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, and soothsayers, inasmuch as an excellent spirit, knowledge, understanding, interpreting dreams, solving riddles, and explaining enigmas, were found in this Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar. Now let Daniel be called, and he will give the interpretation." Now we're not sure exactly which queen this is. It's probably not uh, Belshazzar's wife, because back in verses 2 and 3, we're told that his wives are at the banquet with him, uh, drinking wine out of the holy vessels of the temple. And in verse 10, we just saw that this particular queen comes afterwards. When into the banquet hall when she hears about the problem that's going on and the advice that the king needs. And so it's probably Belshazzar's mother or maybe even his grandmother, the queen mother or the queen grandmother. And the queen remembers Daniel and advises Belshazzar to seek his counsel. And so in verses 13 through 16, Belshazzar sends for Daniel It says, Then Daniel was brought in before the king. The king spoke and said to Daniel, Are you that Daniel who is one of the captives from Judah, whom my father the king brought from Judah? I have heard of you that the Spirit of God is in you, and that light and understanding and excellent wisdom are found in you. Now the wise men, the astrologers, have been brought in before me that they should read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, but they could not give the interpretation of the thing. And I have heard of you that you can give interpretations and explain enigmas. Now if you can read this writing and make known to me its interpretation, you shall be clothed with purple and have a chain of gold around your neck and shall be third ruler in the kingdom." Now, the first interesting detail is that in uh, verses 14 and 16, uh, Belshazzar says to Daniel, I've heard of you. And uh, on a casual reading, it's like, well, yeah, of course, the queen just told Belshazzar all about Daniel. So he heard of Daniel. But I think there's more to it than that, and we'll come back to that in a minute. Just keep that in the back of your mind. Second interesting detail is in verse 16, uh, Belshazzar offers to make Daniel the third ruler in the kingdom. Now, why does he offer to make him third ruler instead of second ruler in the kingdom? Because that's kind of what you're expecting. You know, I'll make you second ruler right after me. And this is an example of the amazing historical precision of the Bible. Because as we uh, go back and examine historical records, we find out that Belshazzar was co-regent of Babylon with his father Nabonidus. And Nabonidus was out of town. And so Belshazzar was ruling Babylon in the absence of his father, Nabonidus. And so since Nabonidus is number one, and Belshazzar is number two, he can't make Daniel number two, and so he offers to make Daniel number three. Then in verses 17 through 21, Daniel reminds Belshazzar what happened to his grandpa Nebuchadnezzar. It says then Daniel answered and said before the king Let your gifts be for yourself and give your rewards to another Yet I will read the writing to the king and make known to him the interpretation. O King, the Most High God, gave Nebuchadnezzar, your father, a kingdom and majesty, glory and honor. And because of the majesty that he gave him, all peoples, nations, and languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. And whomever he wished, he put down. But when his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened in pride, He was deposed from his kingly throne, and they took his glory from him. Then he was driven from the sons of men, his heart was made like the beasts, and his dwelling was with the wild donkeys. They fed him with grass like oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till he knew that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses." And so God had given Grandpa Nebuchadnezzar authority and then God took away Nebuchadnezzar's authority until he acknowledged that the Most High God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses. And this is the main idea of the book of Daniel and also the main idea of the book of Revelation that we're studying. God is the true king. He rules over history. People are placed into authority by God, and they are removed from authority by him. Rather than being proud, human rulers should humble themselves before God and serve him. And then in verses 22 and 23, we come to a key focus of the chapter. He says, But you, his son Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, although you knew all this, and you have lifted yourself up against the Lord of heaven. They have brought the vessels of his house before you, and you and your lords, your wives and your concubines, have drunk wine from them, And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze and iron, wood and stone, which do not see nor hear or know. And the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all your ways, you have not glorified. Now notice in verse 22 that Daniel says to Belshazzar, you knew all of this. Everything I just told you about Nebuchadnezzar You already knew. And so the things that happened to Nebuchadnezzar, they were not news to Belshazzar. Belshazzar already knew all about it. They were part of his family history. He knew what had happened to Grandpa Nebuchadnezzar. And so when Belshazzar, back in verse 14 and verse 16, said that he had heard of Daniel... It's like, yeah, when you know we talk about family history and talk about what happened to Grandpa Nebuchadnezzar, we, of course, talk about how Daniel came to him and prophesied to him concerning this particular event. So he's not just talking about what the queen says. The queen is just reminding him of significant family history. And so what this means is when Belshazzar decided to desecrate the holy t- vessels from the temple in Jerusalem, and when he chose to praise the idols of Babylon, that it was a deliberate rejection of what God had taught his family. He was rejecting family history in order to do what he wanted to do. Belshazzar is basically saying, the God of the Jews declared to my grandfather that he is the great king and that he is greater than the idols of Babylon. But as king of Babylon, I declare that I am a greater king than he is and that the idols of Babylon are greater than the God of the Jews." And so in spite of what he knows, in spite of what he should have learned from grandpa, he decides to have a direct confrontation with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And according to Daniel in verse 23, Belshazzar chose to do this to the God who holds your breath in his hand and owns all of your ways. And so verses 24 to 29 then give God's response to Belshazzar's rebellion. It says, Then the fingers of the hand were sent from him, and this writing was written. And this is the inscription that was written. Many, many, tekel you, farsin. This is the interpretation of each word. Many. God has numbered your kingdom and has finished it. Tekel, you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Perez, your kingdom is divided and has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then Belshazzar gave the command and they clothed Daniel with purple and put a chain of gold around his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler. In the kingdom. And so in verse 26, the word many, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. The time of the kingdom of Babylon has come to an end. Verse 27, Belshazzar has been found lacking as he stands before God's throne verse 28 the kingdom has now been given to the medes and the persians and as you recall in our study in daniel chapter 2 nebuchadnezzar had a dream and he saw a statue that had a head of gold and chest and arms of silver and a belly of bronze and and so forth and The fulfillment of that prophecy or what that prophecy means is that uh, Babylon is the head of gold and it's going to last for a time and then it's going to be replaced by the chest and arms of silver, which are the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. And in Daniel chapter 3 then, uh, Nebuchadnezzar tries to push back against that. He makes a statue all of gold. The kingdom of Babylon is going to last forever. It will never end. And he has a confrontation then with God through his representatives, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who refuse to bow down and worship the golden idol that Nebuchadnezzar has made. And now here in Daniel chapter 5, We have the fulfillment of God's prophecy in Daniel chapter 2 that the kingdom of Babylon is going to come to an end and that it's going to be replaced by the kingdoms, the kingdom going to the Medes and the Persians. And so the head of gold is now finished and the chest and arms of silver are now manifesting themselves. Verses 30 and 31 then record the fulfillment of the prophecy that is written on the wall. That very night, Belshazzar, king of the Chaldeans, was slain, and Darius the Mede received the kingdom, being about 62 years old. And so Belshazzar's kingdom was conquered by the Medes and the Persians, Babylon came to an end. The kingdom of the Medes and the Persians replaced it. Belshazzar himself was killed. Darius the Mede became the new king. The main message from this chapter to Belshazzar is also the main message to us. The Most High God rules in the kingdom of men and appoints over it whomever he chooses. The rulers of this world may think that they are big stuff, but they rule at God's indulgence, and he can replace them anytime he chooses to do so. And someday they are going to stand before him and they are going to give him an account for their rule. The wise men of this world may think that they have all the answers, but God will put them to silence, bewildered and befuddled before his wisdom. Evil people may seem to sin with impunity But the day of reckoning is at hand. The kingdoms of this world will not stand. And the day of God's judgment is coming. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, do not despair. Sometimes we look at the world around us and we think, wow, things are really a mess And it seems like they're just getting messier and messier. And if we were hoping in the kingdoms of this world, we would be sorely disappointed. But our hope is not in the kingdoms of this world. And so may we not be weary and well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we do not faint. This week in our staff meeting, Pastor Jeremy read a familiar passage. It's Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I'm sure many of you have it memorized. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so we can notice that Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Someday, soon, Jesus is going to return to visibly assert his authority over all the planet earth. But God has already appointed him king, and he's already given us the privilege of sharing in what the King is doing. Jesus, the ultimate and eternal authority in heaven and on earth, has given us the opportunity to prepare for his return by making disciples for him. And so we can joyfully serve the King of kings and Lord of lords by making disciples in obedience to his command. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ this passage has a message for you as well. The message is many many tackle you farsen. So many means that God has numbered our days. All of our days are numbered. We will not live forever in this current life. Someday it comes to an end for each of us. And then tekel. We will stand before God and we will be weighed in the balances. Now a lot of people imagine that when we are weighed in the balances, that God's going to take our good works and put them on one side of the balance and he's going to put our evil deeds on the other side and that if our good works are outweigh the evil deeds, then We can go into heaven, but if our evil deeds outweigh our good works, then we're cast into the lake of fire. But it's not like that at all, because what we owe God is perfect obedience. And so if we have even one evil deed, it outweighs every good work we've ever done, and we're cast into the lake of fire. And all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have those evil deeds that would normally outweigh every good thing that we have ever done. And so the wages of sin are death, and we deserve to be eternally separated from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so, Jesus comes, and he takes all of our evil deeds off of the scale, and he takes those evil deeds to himself, and they were nailed to the cross with him, and his blood has washed those away. And then he has given us his perfect righteousness, he's imputed it to us, and So it goes on the other side of the scale. And so if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, if we acknowledge him as God the Son, if we acknowledge him as King of kings and Lord of lords, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, that since he's paid for our sins in full, God has given him new life, new life that he's ready in turn to give with us, then we can be saved. It says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so if you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, or if you're not here this morning, if you're at home and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, you can become a follower of Jesus Christ today. You can call upon him and receive God's gift of eternal life through faith in him. You can do that right now, wherever you are. If you have questions, I'd be happy to answer them, or I'm sure many of our brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ here as well would be happy to do that as well. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you rule over history. That even though the nations may rage and the kings of the earth may rise up against you, that your rule is not threatened in any way. And that your hand is on your people And that no one can take us out of your hand. And so, Lord, as we live in a world that's often troubled around us, as things don't go the way we expect them to go, we know that you're still on the throne. That you will win in the end. And that we will rule with you. Lord, if there's any here who have not yet come to faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, I pray that today might be for them the day of salvation. That they might call on your Son, Jesus Christ, and receive eternal life through faith in him. We ask in his name. Amen. Thanks for
1: listening. We hope that what you heard inspires you to take the next step in your faith. If you have questions about this message or would like more information about our church, we invite you to check us out at fbczealand.org or call us at 616-772-4377.